Welcome to our message for today. Today we'll look at the story of a blind man who might just help us see. Our text is in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, for, verses 46 through 52. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. <clears throat> let us pray. Lord Jesus, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see the world, to see our fellow humans the way that you see them. Lord, help us to see like you see that perhaps we might love like you love. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. What a remarkable chain of events we've seen in Mark chapter 10. Everyone is pursuing Jesus and everybody wants something. Oddly enough, most of them leave disappointed. They're coming to Jesus with a request and most of them are hearing no. You may remember that the religious leaders came to Jesus early in this chapter. They approached Jesus as a rival. They came to test him, perhaps to try to trick him. And they came with a religious question. They wanted Jesus to answer a, a theological debate they had about marriage and divorce. Uh, they came in a debate over the finer points of doctrine. They left disappointed. Those arguments about doctrine eventually drain us and often distract us from ministry. I mean, just look at our current situation. We, we burn up so much of the oxygen. We spend up so much energy talking about doctrinal differences that we lose the energy. We waste time in simply loving one another and doing those things God called us to do. That's why we need an answer, so that we can move on, so that we can be doing what God called us to do. The, those rivals came to Jesus with distracting questions, and they left disappointed because Jesus wouldn't get in the argument with them. Then you may remember the rich man came. He addressed Jesus as good teacher, and he had a request. He wanted more stuff. He already had all the possessions he needed in this world, so he wanted to add it to it. Lord, give me eternal life too. Give me all of my stuff and eternal life. Jesus saw right through that and told him to get rid of his stuff and to come and follow him, to end his obsession with possession. But he went away sad too. He asked uh, of Jesus and he got a no, and he went away sad. And then last week, we talked about James and John. They came addressing Jesus as teacher, and they asked for a favor. Jesus responds, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus is ready to give them what they asked for. What do you want me to do for you? And so they come back with their answer, but their, their request is for power and prestige. 
They came seeking privilege from Jesus. They too are disappointed. All of these folks came to Jesus with their agendas. They all wanted something. They pursue a teacher to help satisfy a selfish desire. All are disappointed. Reminds me of James chapter 2, where it says, You want something, and you do not have it, so you commit murder. You covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your own pleasures. Well, it almost sounds like James was writing that to this group of people in Mark chapter 10. James chapter 2 could almost be a commentary on Mark 10. Sometimes we ask wrongly. So far, everyone in Mark 10 seems to make a couple of mistakes. The people we've been talking about these last three weeks are asking wrongly. Number one, they don't fully recognize who they're talking to. They come and address Jesus as teacher or good teacher. Religious folks approach Jesus as a rival. They don't seem to recognize the one that they're talking to. And then when they make the request, their selfish request, solve our debate, give us power and prestige, give us more wealth. They are wanting more stuff for themselves. Well, we can't just believe anything we want and call it Jesus. Too often we've seen violent attacks under the banner of Jesus. We address Jesus, but we define Jesus by what we want. We define Jesus by our desires, by our hopes, by our our understandings, by our expectations. We can't just believe what we want and call it Jesus. Too often we've seen violent attacks under the banner of Jesus. And we've harmed people. We shout insults and sometimes actually take up arms and attack people in the name of Jesus. Even throughout history, we fought crusades in the name of Jesus. We imprisoned and enslaved people in the name of Jesus. On January 6th, people violently attacked our Capitol building, and I remember seeing a flag there that bore the name of Jesus. We don't understand who it is that we're talking to or what we're asking. We do violence in the name of Jesus, and we forget that Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We can't possibly lash out at one another in violence in the name of Christ because Christ wouldn't do that. Do we truly remember and honor who we're addressing? Our request to the real Jesus should reflect God's will. It's not enough to just call out to Jesus. It must be the real Jesus, the Jesus of Scripture who walked and talked among us, who ate with sinners and who loved everyone he came across. We must make our request to the real Jesus, and our request should reflect God's will. We should be growing to the point where we desire what God desires. Well, in comes Bartimaeus. After all the blindness about religion, about wealth, about ambition, Mark introduces a blind man who is actually going to help us see. 
Well, Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is nearby. He doesn't address Jesus as good teacher. Bartimaeus isn't looking for a debate. He cries out loudly, Jesus, son of David. Now that son of David, we may not recognize, but everyone that heard him shout that out knew that son of David is a term for the Messiah. Uh, blind Bartimaeus knows who he's, rec who's, who he's addressing. He is addressing God incarnate in the person of Jesus. This is the long-awaited Messiah. The disciples may not have figured it out yet. The religious leaders are rejecting it, but the blind man can see this is the Messiah. And Jesus asked Bartimaeus the same question that he asked James and John a few verses earlier. What do you want me to do for you? The same question he asked James and John. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus has his answer ready. He doesn't ask for power or privilege. He doesn't, he's not looking for prestige. He answers, let me see. Oh, that the church in our time would have a Bartimaeus moment that we would address ourselves to the Lord of all creation, the one through whom all that is came into being, the one who shapes galaxies, that we would humble ourselves enough to remember that we can never fully comprehend God. Oh, that our church would cry out like Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us, that we might remember that God is far more than we can understand, that we don't have it figured out. Can we humble ourselves before an almighty God? And then once humbled, could we as the church ask God, ask the God of the universe to let us see. Let us truly see one another. Let us see the beauty of our creator in the eyes of the created, of all of God's creatures. Can, can God allow us to see the image of God in every individual that we see? God, help us to see as you see. God, help us to see what you see. I was, <clears throat> I, I had a beautiful example of this in a, earlier in my ministry. I, I took a group of people to work at the Aniston Soup Bowl uh, Soup Bowl serves about 125 to 150 homeless and hungry people every day of the week. Well, I had the opportunity to visit a while with the lady who manages it. We got to talking and I asked about her role there and, and what it meant to her. And she told me this story. She said, you know, when they asked me to do this job before I ever started, I didn't know we had homeless people in Aniston. I've lived here. She said, I've driven all over town and I've looked, I had looked around and I hadn't seen anybody. I would have argued that we don't have any homeless people. And then she said that after she had been working at the soup bowl for a while, after this crowd would come in day in and day out, she says now when she goes around Aniston, she sees these people everywhere she goes. She sees them on street corners and on park benches. Everywhere she goes around Aniston, she sees she sees people that were there before. She sees people that she missed before. Well, what's the difference? She began to love them. She began to serve them. She began to treat those homeless people the way Jesus treats homeless people. And all of a sudden she could see. She never saw homeless people until she began to feed homeless people. Ah, oh, what a lesson that we could all learn 
God, open our eyes. God, help us to see as you see. Amen.